Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we keep you bang up to date on all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Joining me as always is our Tech Central editor, Niall Kitson. And I start this week, Niall, with a question. How many posts do you think I've put on Facebook? in the last three years. Okay, well, you're such a, a social media booster. I mean, you're, you're, never, you're never off Twitter, for God's sake. Um, okay, I'm going to say you're dead average and say, okay, we're talking about three years, maybe 100 posts? Uh, no, about 25. I wasn't too far off, but it, it does show... Uh, your comparative lack of interest. But are you on Facebook? It's not so much a lack of interest, but it's more a lack of trust. I've never trusted them. Uh, and I never trust people who start asking me, like, complete your, trof- your profile. Where did you go to school? What job have you got? What job did you have before that? What job did you have before that? Who are you married to? <laughs> it's like, you yep, know, it's yep, like an yep. inquisition. It's like, no, none of your business. Go away. So uh, I've got a very small uh, group of friends on Facebook. I don't go in for numbers. I go in for um, quality more than anything else. And uh, and I rarely post, actually, to be honest. But it's interesting that I've been thinking like this for a couple of years. And now this week, da-da! Yep, all your information has been used against you. Um, Okay, okay, let's rein it back a little bit. Um, We all know the facts of the Cambridge Analytica case at this stage, that we have this whistleblower, Christopher Wiley, who uh, said, look, we gathered all this data, we used it to generate psychological profiles of people and targeted ads specifically at them uh, for political campaigns. That's, that's, the, that's basically the short version of it. That's a gist. Um, but listen, may, maybe you can answer this question for me, right? Uh, because everybody's kind of going, uh, there was Facebook and they had information and then this guy was doing a research project and so he had access to the information then suddenly this political consultant body <laughs> uh, got involved and bought all the stuff off a university researcher. What's the connection between the two of those? Okay, right. Just just smooth out a few kinks there because I don't think there was a commercial relationship there as such. There was a Cambridge University researcher by the name of Alexander Kogan and he built an online uh, personality test app. Now, you didn't actually go into Facebook to complete this app. You, you did it on a separate website but you had to log in with your Facebook profile to do it. And once you completed the profile, you got like a dollar, two dollars, whatever. And he built up this, uh, and part of the the terms and conditions of that was that they got access to your your friend's data. So of the, you know, 270,000 people that actually completed his personality test, they actually got access to 50 million profiles there or thereabouts. So that was a massive data set, but it came with a a certain caveat. Um, There was no impetus on you to actually be truthful in, in what you put in. So they had this large data set, but they didn't really know how accurate it was. I mean, they were able to map the results of, off against people's profiles and then look for specific things that related to spe- specific, say, uh, political beliefs or whatever. But there was, there was, there certainly wasn't a, a one-to-one correlation that, okay, if we do X, Y is going to happen. It, it, it became sort of best guess stuff. And this is something Kogan has came out and said, look, it was pretty poor quality data in the first place, but they used it. What do you think of the reaction of Mark Zuckerberg, I, I thought it was very interesting that he said nothing at first. And then when he came out with his official statement, 
I, I don't really even think he said anything then, to be honest. It took him a while to actually come out and say, uh, yeah, we messed up. And even then, um, I think the closest he got was, you know, we, we this was a, a breach of trust. Um, and I think that's pretty much how they're going to see it. I mean, from his perspective, uh, he's an engineer. You know, give him a well-defined problem. He'll solve it. Um, you're dealing with people. People are ill-defined problems. You know, it's hard. Um, and Shannon Valor, who we introduced last year, uh, interviewed last year, um, she's a virtue ethicist and she thinks about these things uh, an awful lot. And uh, she put out a tweet in relation to uh, Zuckerberg's statement. And um, she said, like, he, he basically said, you know, where is the line? You know, where, where do we implement our policies? You know, what, what is hate speech? What, what are all these other things? And, and of course, these things are uh, based on context and are ill-defined. Um, she said, um, in terms of where to draw the line, the line is where the responsible moral agent decides. Very simple. And how do you decide that? Well, hopefully you have due care and attention and you have people around you that actually help you come up with where the line is. And you stand by that and let the, let the chips fall as they may, you know, so suffer the consequences. And you're not always going to be on the right side of these things, but you have to have a well-defined set of principles. Well, you see, there's where I've lost all faith yet again in Facebook because they knew this was happening in, this was been happening. They changed the terms and conditions in 2007. It was mm-hmm. 2014 before they stopped it. So seven full years. And there was a EU complaint made against this practice in 2011. So they knew about it in 2011 at the very latest. And it was three years. Now, I, I hate to use the word common sense, but you're talking about drawing the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're business first and foremost, exactly, uh, and that's that's what it comes down to. They they will get away with what they can get away with. Yes, and I just don't think that they have gotten away with this, and I think that's the uh, the the problem. What about the other things that are kind of happening behind the scenes this week in news? Uh, there's uh, there was something earlier about the chief of security in uh, Facebook. Yeah, Facebook's chief security officer, Alex Stamos, um, is stepping back. Um, you know, whether, whether you sort of read this as a firing or a, you know, parting of the ways over a, a disagreement as to how Facebook uh, handles things. Um, that was sort of a, a bit of a blow. Uh, of course, we know there's 37 billion wiped off the company's value. That's a temporary thing. You know, let's not, let's not go crazy over that. Um, and there was also the founder of WhatsApp. Um, what's his name? Harry Acton, is it? Um, he is. He has said, "Yep, that's that's it. It's it's time to get rid. Of, it's time to delete your your Facebook account." Mm. Um, yeah, Brian Acton. Uh, he has joined the hashtag delete Facebook uh, movement on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, which again, it's going to peter out. I mean, people will be annoyed for a little bit. There'll be some people virtue signaling by going, oh, I deleted Facebook account years and years and years ago, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, and, you know, a couple of people going, yes, I will. And then deciding, do you know what? I actually get value out of Facebook, so I'm not going to. It'll be interesting to see where it goes, because with other things in the past, like with Bebo and with MySpace, when they started their demise, there was another replacement service. And that's what people went to. Now, Facebook are in trouble, but there's no real replacement Facebook. I think the replacement for Facebook isn't in the kind of open networks that that Facebook sort of is a big deal about. You know, get me hundreds of followers and I'm fantastic and all this kind Mm. of nonsense. I think the future is closed loop networks and sort of the small groups on on WhatsApp, for example. You Mm. know, your family group, that's fine. Your friends group, that's fine. You know, just people you actually talk to. These will be very, very small groups in, in comparison. I think people have gone bonkers over acquiring followers. Remember Dunbar's number. That's what I say. Um, the average human being can f- can manage 150 stable relationships at a time. Wow. <laughs> Don't tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs>
(laughs) (laughs) Now, listen, uh, more seriously on the whole Facebook kind of thing, it's great that you and I can chat about it and we have an opinion, but there really is a whole legal side to this and it's more from from it's our information and where does the law stand to to protect the information that we have willingly given to Facebook? Uh, Niall went out earlier and spoke to Ono Dell, who's an associate professor in Trinity College in the School of Law there, and his specialist area is digital rights uh, and had a very interesting conversation. Have a listen to this. So, Owen, the first question that I think is on people's minds when we look at the Cambridge Analytica um, Facebook story is, could it happen here? Yes, and it probably already has. We have to distinguish all of what Cambridge Analytica seems to have done is creepy. Um, But some of the stuff that they have done is creepy and uh, and illegal, but a lot of what they have done is creepy and legal. The Facebook business model is based on allowing its clients to advertise to its users. So somebody like Cambridge Analytica can buy ads on Facebook. That is the Facebook business model. And Cambridge Analytica will be will have been able to work out the sorts of people it wants to target and will have been able to target them via Facebook. And that is exactly what Facebook wants. They want advertisers to target the users. And by saying that they have the largest pool of users and the largest pool of data about users, Facebook is actually facilitating this kind of micro-targeting. So has something like Cambridge Analytica already happened to Irish users? The answer is yes, because that is the Facebook business model. Um, And so a lot of the sort of things that we are currently being creeped out about are the sorts of things that are already happening. And um, the argument is, well, what about our privacy here? And the answer is our privacy is protected, except to the extent that we consent to give it away or to the extent that there are other legitimate reasons for it being infringed. And if you look at the the Facebook terms and conditions, they effectively say, when you have consented to it, that you are consenting to Facebook delivering the advertising. And Facebook will tell you that the advertising is how you get the free service, because you're not directly paying for it with your money, you're paying for it with your data and the advertiser's money. And the data that you're providing Facebook and that Facebook is getting about you elsewhere is the uh, kind of data that improves their service to you and improves the advertising that they serve to you. So the whole Facebook business model, the whole Cambridge Analytica practice model are the kinds of things that are baked into the Facebook ecosystem and therefore has something like Cambridge Analytica already happened? It happens every time you log on to Facebook and see the advertising that is being served to you. So that's the creepy stuff that is lawful. What about the additional stuff that Cambridge Analytica did that is unlawful? Well, there are two different kinds of unlawfulness here. There is the the really awful, we're going to send um, uh, we're going to send people in the real world to try and um, subvert the election. We'll put that to one side. Uh, the 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 online stuff that Cambridge Analytica did by um, getting information 
from a researcher who obtained it from Facebook for the purposes of research. So in other words, the researcher has this information for a legitimate reason under the legislation, which is to say for research, and there's quite a lot of research going on on Facebook um, that is legitimate by virtue of the Facebook Terms of Service and legitimate by virtue of the existing legislation. Um, so there is a lot of data out there that is being mined for research purposes. And all of this research data going to Cambridge Analytica uh, for the uh, advertising targeting purposes, that was a breach of the um, Facebook Terms of Service. Uh, and therefore, that is the breach. The, um, the additional information that Cambridge Analytica got that they then used to uh, target the users. In other words, Facebook, Facebook thinks it's okay for Facebook to target the users, but not okay for third parties to target the users. And the particular thing that Cambridge Analytica did that was a breach of the Facebook terms and conditions was they got the, uh, the data that they mined for the purposes of targeting the users. Now, this is a very small technical breach in the big scheme of the sorts of things that Cambridge Analytica are said to have done, but it is nevertheless a data breach. And the fact that Facebook say, no, 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 it's only, it's only uh, an infringement of our terms and conditions. It isn't really a data breach. That's semantics by, by Facebook at this point. Um, so that is, that is the thing that is the breach, the getting the data for one purpose and using it for another. That is a, uh, an infringement of the Data Protection Directive, of the existing data protection legislation, and of the forthcoming general data protection uh, regulation. And I think when we look at um, the general data protection uh, regulation, um, it really shows the fundamental difference um, between the American conception of data and the European conception of data, which is uh, to say one looking at it as a, a natural resource that you've effectively mined and handed over, and the other is something that you've created yourself and is your personal property. Uh, and it's it's sort of a, a point that we've raised and sort of explored on, on the show quite a bit. So when it comes to pushing in place the legislative framework to protect consumers from things that, yes, they have created themselves, but perhaps they're not familiar with the level of privacy that they have. To what extent does the regulator have a role right now, um, as opposed to what we are hoping to see you know, from May thereafter? Okay, well, I agree with you that the American conception and the European conception are different. Um, in Europe, the breach of uh, Facebook's uh, terms and conditions by Cambridge Analytica gives Facebook an action against Cambridge Analytica and the breach of those terms and conditions in the States also gives Facebook an action against Facebook Analytica. But in Europe, the different greater protections for privacy means that the Cambridge Analytica breach is also a breach of existing data protection rules. And the uh, Office of the Data Protection Commissioner in Ireland, the Information Commissioner in the UK, the other data protection authorities in the other member states of the European Union all have a role in enforcing the existing rules. Um, from 2011, the Irish Office of the Data Protection Commissioner conducted a review of Facebook's um, privacy uh, policies and activities and required a whole range of changes from Facebook to improve the protection of privacy of users online uh, to give effect to the privacy and data protection rights that the users have in Europe. And Facebook 
um, were ultimately forced to make a whole range of changes in that period and thereafter on foot of the existing powers of the existing Data Protection Commissioner. And one of the changes that Facebook ultimately had to make was to close the means by which Data Analytica were able to exploit the data that they got. Um, the up, up until uh, a relatively recent change, what Facebook Analytica were able to do was to get not only the data relating to the people that filled out the online personality quiz, but also in respect of their friends and contacts and likes and so on as well. So all this additional information is no longer available via um, uh, third-party apps on Facebook, but it was available at the time. Um, which allowed the the researcher um, who then gave the information to uh, Cambridge Analytica access to not just the information from the people who filled out the um, uh, the personality test, but also information about all of their friends as well. That additional range of extra information was closed by Facebook at the urging of the Irish Data Protection Commissioner. So yesterday when Zuckerberg said, um, without saying they were sorry, and this is something that I found really interesting. You read this, you parse it. It's a very carefully drafted PR statement where they say we have to make sure that things are better going forward. But he doesn't actually say we're sorry for the mess that we ourselves created by virtue of our business model. Without saying we're sorry, he does say, but we have changed our uh, privacy structures so that this can't happen again. What he doesn't say is he changed the privacy structures because the Irish Data Protection Commissioner required them to do so. So the existing problem that the uh, Cambridge Analytica were able to exploit, that has been closed by virtue of the existing powers of the uh, current data protection uh, authorities. I think uh, one of the things that we're looking at with the current data protection bill, bill working its way through the Oireachtas is this sort of laying the groundwork for GDPR, but at the same time, including certain exemptions um, that I think are sort of an Irish solution to a, an international problem, if you will, so given the prevalence of the Googles and the Facebooks here. Do you think there is this sort of trade-off between what is specific to Ireland versus what Europe wants? Uh, I think there is certainly an Irish solution to an Irish uh, sociological phenomenon in the uh, Data Protection Bill. The General Data Protection Regulation is meant to deepen the protections for privacy uh, having regard to the, the, the Googles and Facebooks and Twitters of this world and in particular in, 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 in Europe. Um, but the, uh, and the data protection regulation does allow for some processing for political purposes. Um, and this is not unusual. The, um, a lot of privacy protecting legislation does allow for processing for political purposes, politicians giving themselves the benefits of their own exemptions. So immediately after the Facebook Analytica uh, the, the elements of the stories that broke on the weekend, although the Guardian has been working on this for, for nearly two years. Um, uh, in Australia, for example, where there is an equivalent exemption, there have been calls for that exemption to be either narrowed or closed. And similarly, um, although the data protection regulation allows for some processing for political purposes, the Irish bill implementing it 
um, goes a great deal further, but it's reflecting the the, the, the very retail or micro-targeted way that Irish politics is undertaken. You talk to a canvasser for a particular party in a particular ward, not even in a particular constituency, and he or she will be able to tell you um, about the voting intentions in the various houses in his or her ward. And that is a, a, a function of the way in which um, the, the Irish political system works. And the, uh, the Data Protection Bill... Um, recognizing this effectively says that processing that personal information, the fact that I have on my database about all of the houses on that particular street, how they are likely to vote, that would be processing of personal information. But if it's done for political purposes, the Irish Bill was was going to allow that. Um, the uh, But the language in which it was allowed was considerably broader. One of the things that is the hall, one of the hallmarks of the current of the current bill is that wherever there is an exemption from privacy protection, those exemptions are cast in incredibly broad language. And the breadth of the existing exemption, although it might have a good cultural justification, goes a lot further than that justification would require and would allow the sorts of creepy legal things that Cambridge Analytica were doing. Um, what has happened over the last few days is that the Department of Justice has effectively said, well, we're not going to allow the Cambridge Analytica kind of stuff, but we're still going to allow the uh, on-the-street canvassing information to be processed. So they are, uh, the, the Department of Justice has recommended a, a revision or an amendment to the Irish Bill to narrow the political processing exception um, to capture current Irish practice, but to not allow things like Cambridge Analytica in the future. Um, my question uh, would be whether the uh, Irish draft has become sufficiently narrow to be consistent with the General Data Protection Regulation. Uh, there is a strong argument that it isn't yet sufficiently narrow, uh, but it will ultimately take a decision of the Court of Justice to resolve that. So, given that we are looking at a re referendum in the next few months, what will you be looking out for? I mean, do you suspect that we will see this misinformation campaign on the likes that that we saw with the um, 2016 US election, or do or do you think you know it it will be a I guess, for, for want of a, a better expression, a, a much more civilised campaign once people know that this sort of processing is out there and does take place. Is, is, is there a new level of digital literacy that will make people more aware that campaigns can and are being manipulated? Um, I think that last point uh, uh, of online awareness will become increasingly true. I don't know that it will necessarily be sufficiently true uh, during this referendum. I think we're going to need more examples before it comes it comes entirely home. Um, but I would distinguish between. Uh, manipulation and misinformation on the one hand and political targeting on the other. Um, it's the distinction between what Cambridge Analytica were doing that was creepy and lawful and uh, the stuff that was creepy and unlawful. So putting out misinformation about political opponents is probably defamatory. Putting out um, uh, scare phrases about um, uh, groups that you disfavor is probably hate speech and probably illegal. Uh, and Cambridge Analytica did that and a lot worse, it seems. Um, so that is creepy and already unlawful. The 
targeting of you because you are in a particular demographic and you're likely to have a particular view and therefore you're likely to vote a particular way and uh, information is presented either to prevent either to suggest that you shouldn't vote or to make you change your mind that is creepy but lawful that is exactly what advertising is all about and that is what political advertising is all about uh, and micro targeting you by virtue of the various identifiers of your demographic is what the cambridge business the facebook business model allows and what cambridge said they were peculiarly good at it turns out in fact that they probably weren't at all good at the micro targeting and were particularly good at the unlawful stuff but i would distinguish between the stuff that's already unlawful um, and therefore we would hope uh, wouldn't happen and if it does that our regulators will be able to stop and the stuff that is lawful but creepy and which will continue to be allowed by the um, uh, exception that the Department of Justice is insisting in the uh, uh, forthcoming um, data protection bill. So I guess what it comes down to is the, the matter of scale really the fact that when you are doorstepping people at a local level it's perfectly fine to collect that level of data. It's when you get into the the realm of people not knowing their data is being collected is is really where the problem lies. That isn't so much a question of scale as a question of, as you say, knowledge and consent. When the when the person doorsteps me, knocks on my door and says, are you going to vote? Uh, can I persuade you to give us our number one in an election or to vote uh, our way in the referendum? And then I say either yes or no. And they note in their, uh, in, in their database that... Uh, uh, the occupant Odell said, he, you know, he wasn't going to vote for whatever. Um, I know that that's what they're doing. I'm consenting in those circumstances. Um, I'm also consenting when it is done via Facebook. Uh, I just don't know that I'm consenting in the sense that an awful lot of the uh, privacy controls and so on, There, there's a lot there, but it's very complicated. People tend to go with the default, and the default at the moment is more open than it is private. One of the things that the data protection regulation is supposed to bring in is privacy by design and privacy by default so that the privacy controls will be more by default on in packages like Facebook in the future. And therefore, when I change them, I will be consenting to uh, the additional use or the additional sharing or the additional targeting or the additional advertising. So that will be the big cultural change after May, where at the moment, services can um, decide themselves what their defaults will be and usually default to assuming you're consenting to the processing. After May, privacy will have to be the default and you are going to have to give a meaningful consent to the additional processing. And that was Niall Kitson speaking to Owen Odell, Associate Professor at Trinity College School of Law. Very interesting stuff. Now, uh, over the last, if you're average on Facebook, you would have done what? Maybe 200 posts over the last three years now? Uh, I don't know. Possibly. I, and, and I did 25. After everything that's gone on this week and what we've heard from Owen, how many are you going to post in the next three years, do you think? I think, I think I'll be keeping my head down for a while, to be honest. I think I'll be, <laughs> I'll be more of a lurker than anything. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how this story rumbles on over the coming weeks. And of course, we'll keep you bang up to date on it here on the programme and also on the website at techcentral.ie. That's just it for this week. The programme supported, as always, by irishjobs.ie. For the latest jobs from IT recruiters, visit techcentral.ie forward slash 
slash jobs. That address again, techcentral.ie forward slash jobs powered by Irish Jobs. And of course, you can get the lowdown on the Facebook stories and all things tech here in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at techcentral.ie or just listen to our show every week online or Fridays at 5pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next week, from myself, Dusty, and from Niall, thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.